2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cinephiles Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Today, we have a wonderful guest on today. is Tim Russell. Tim Russell is a, a great actor. The, the name might not be familiar to you, but Tuvok from Star Trek Voyager might be familiar to you. What's interesting about Tim Russ is that he's been in serial television since 1984. We're going to talk to him about his career, his childhood, his father being in the Air Force and and traveling around the world, to serial television, to a lot of the movies that he's been in, to his music. Can't wait to talk to him. Been looking forward to this. Been reaching out for quite a while now. How are you doing during this quarantine time? Staying safe? Staying inside? Give us a call, 515-602-9609. I want to hear from you. What are you watching right now? I'm watching, uh, again, The Mandalorian. I'm watching The Mandalorian all over again. I think this is the fifth time, sixth time I've been watching it all the way through. Watching a lot of Marvel movies. I love watching the original Ant-Man. What a great movie. I yeah, mean, a television called Tiger King. Now, I, I'm going to keep on hating on this show because it's kind of like <laughs> one of the reasons why television isn't in dumpsters these days. Like The show is so negative. I, I know people are watching it for junk TV and what have you, but at a time where things are already negative, it, it, it just seems like the reason why our society has gone through the dumpsters. So I really don't want to watch that, but community is now on Netflix. So I've been re-watching community. What a great show. I don't know if you know this, but the Russo Brothers started their career uh, doing a lot of community shows. They did the episodes of the D and D episodes. Those were fantastic. I've been watching Star Trek Picard Love that show Just had a season finale I didn't notice but one of my friends Played one of the, the characters On the last episode of that That must have been a lot of fun Sir Patrick Stewart must be a lot of fun To be around I don't know if you're watching his Instagram But he's reading Shakespeare Every night to a, to an audience That's very sweet of him Trying to keep people calm in a time of uh, uncalmness. Is that a word, uncalmness? To put it simple, I don't think people are very calm. People make a lot of jokes about it. people going to the market to grab uh, toilet paper. What's funny about that is I have not been able to. Get a a decent roll of toilet paper Since this whole thing has happened Gotta make a TV show about that (laughs) Or at least a YouTube episode I've been watching Self Made with uh, Octavia Spencer. Now, that's a four part series with Octavia Spencer. It's a great show. Very creative, very um, colorful, very beautiful. It reminds me a lot of, you know, what if Boz Lerman did? I mean, not a whole deal, but in, in certain parts it does. A wonderful, wonderful show. Self-made with Octavia Spencer. Give us call 9609 Let us know what you're watching, what you're binging. I saw a lot of Marvel movies were pushed back recently. Pushed back. The Batman has stopped the production Thankfully Spider-Man is not Because it's going to come out in a couple years So a couple of these movies are in safe ground Black Panther 2 is still coming out In 2021 in, in May Thank God for that looking forward to those those great movies Ant-Man 3 is supposed to be coming out very soon another year it, you know it's, it's funny now that we're, we're saying uh, we can't wait for these movies to come out but it's, it's like literally a year away but when you look at the Marvel slate there's a movie coming out every like four months three to four months the only problem now is, you know, since we do have, you know, an issue with the coronavirus, you know, there's not that guarantee, there's not that, like, Venom 2 is already, it's already finished. They're just doing post-production on it. But there's no guarantee that the coronavirus will be done with when you release the film, so you won't have an audience. So you'll have made a film for, like, you know, $110 million, but another $90 million into the, uh, the budget to, to advertise the film, and then you you don't have an audience to watch it. You know they were they were talking about putting Black Widow on Disney Plus, but that movie has the potential to make a billion dollars, a billion dollars. You put that film on Disney Plus, and you don't you don't see it, any of that money. I don't think that's right. I don't think it's right to have the first, you know. We we've been waiting for a Black Widow movie for a very long time. Very, very long time. And now that she has her own solo film, it would be hate to see her relegated to being put on Disney Plus instead of having her own venue in, in a movie. So I'm really hoping they, they stay away from that. I now are thinking of mutants. Marvel's New Mutant That was first made by Fox I think that's going to Disney Plus Have you ever read the, the New Mutant uh, Comic books Those were incredible comic books You had, you, you had what, did it, what, was, what was the name of one of the characters Wolfsbane And then you had Cannonball you had Great character Sunspot You had great characters, you had Magic Great characters on on that comic book and in the movie. Looking forward to seeing that. Magic's one of my favorite characters. She's the sister of, of Colossus. When she was a child, she was stolen and taken to hell. And then when he saw her again, which was like a year later, she was already a teenager because she she grew within those those years. It was like a time-space kind of thing. That was freaking... But a great, great comic book. And hopefully it'll be a great movie. They, they wanted to tout it as being the first ever Marvel horror film. Which, of course, now they're calling... Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness I'm looking forward to seeing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness that's going to come after WandaVision and they're going to tie in together a lot of people are believing that Wanda will be the bad guy in Doctor Strange but I doubt that very highly I think if anything they'll find a way to bring Vision back But there is a there is a lot of comics that sh- that show how powerful she is and how she can create her own reality. That might be something that, that gets uh, changed and, and switched around. So many things to look forward to out there. You know, I don't know about you, but I've always counted on movies. And media to be the thing that pushes me through a lot of depression. <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but you know I've used a lot of these films to make me feel better about you know the future and what I'm looking forward to. You know when, you, when when I think about uh, you know Tim Russ and, and the generation he grew up in and, and the movies that he was involved in. But, and he started off his career in, in 1985. Those, that was the golden age of movies. What is your golden age favorite movie? Is it Ghostbusters? The it Pee Wees Herman's uh, Greatest Adventures? Was it Aliens? Did I mention Ghostbusters? <laughs> I love that movie Of course there was uh, Godzilla 1985 That was a great movie There was 2010 A Space Odyssey Oh, 1985 was a great year a Great year for movies a Great year for television Looking forward to talking to Tim Russ about that Watching any uh, nighttime television—Jimmy Kimmel and The Tonight Show, and and Late Late Show. Stephen Colbert is fantastic. They give you a sense of calm in a non-so calm time. I'm looking forward to things going back to the way they were before, but I wonder if they're going to go back to the way they were before. You know, people will shake hands and and hug. I think it'll be like a year of adjustment before they do that. I think people will give like the Hollywood hug, you know, where people barely touch each other. You know, that's where the uh, the phrase "howl"y comes from. Hawaii because when the foreigners came over they wanted to shake hands but in Hawaii when you when you meet someone you touch heads and breathe towards each other so you're sharing breath you're sharing the soul the shaking hands was so impersonal was so departed So I wonder if shaking, shaking hands would be a time of the past. Uh, no, I don't know, I like bowing to people. I'm a big fan of that. I see we have a nice audience So waiting for Tim Russ to, uh, to Call in In the meantime you're, you're stuck with me <laughs> Have you been enjoying our, our episodes? We've had a, a litany of, of people Coming on Give me a call Let me know what you think 515-602-9609 Let me know what you think You don't have to be so nice You can be a little harsh But I am doing the best I can You know, let's put on a, a song by Sage You know, I love Sage I, I had her on recently S-s-s- You know, commonly, commonly known as Sage Boatwright She's an excellent artist She sings a, a song called June Let's hear that song Didn't
0: wanna write a last song Usually these things come out wrong but you've been up in my head all day long and now i'm all gone yeah didn't know we in up this way keeping memories on replay yeah you make me want to catch the bouquet. i just want These things come out wrong But you've been up in my head all day long And now I'm all gone, yeah
2: Sage Boatwright. What a great song. She's got a wonderful voice. Let's listen to another song. You know, one video game that I really love is called Child of Light. Now, for a long time, it was free on Xbox and PS4. But the one great thing they had on there was was the soundtrack was amazing. It was amazing. I want to play you a little snippet of a song. It's one of my favorites. I see that we have Tim Russon. Let's bring him in. Hello, Tim. How are you doing, sir? Doing all right. Doing all right under the circumstances. <laughs> well, we, we got you in here. We got you in here. Good. Good. Now, now, before we get started, how are you and your family doing right now in the, in, in the quarantine times?
1: Uh, we're doing okay. Uh, we're going through the paces and uh, staying sequestered, saying the extra, the extra things that need to be done. Uh so so far so good. You no, know, it's
2: good. Are are you, are you, are, you here in Lo- are, are you here in Los Angeles? But,
1: yeah, I'm here in Los Angeles for sure. Um okay. West Hollywood be exact. And then uh I've uh, got my mother in Sacramento. She's doing well. Good. Um yeah, my brother's in Florida. Wow he's doing okay and uh my sister's in Long Beach and oh, she really- is doing okay. Yeah, That's everybody's good. so far. <laughs> we'll
2: yeah, yeah. Well, Florida was a hot spot for a little while there, so I'm glad he's doing yeah, well. Yeah, right. I know. I With mean, that, it, yeah. the fact those kids going out there to the, uh, the the ocean and and just playing along was it was insane to me. Yeah, that was a little yeah, that was ridiculous actually. Uh for
1: yeah. for them to uh
2: you know, to take off and
1: and and uh, expose themselves and everybody else to you know, potentially uh, catching a virus, you know when there was no need to do that, I mean that was right that was crazy i don't I don't know what anybody was thinking, or
2: no, you know if, some of the kids if, were if,
1: if anybody was thinking you know no, I don't think they were
2: thinking at all. some of the kids were saying, you know if I catch it, I catch it yep yeah, yeah, but you can spread it to people who don't want to get a cat, yeah, that's the
1: whole thing is they could become carriers and they could become asymptomatic characters, so they don't her. so they don't get the symptoms and so they don't know they have anything right you know so yeah that's uh that's that's not happening at all really yeah uh it, it, it it's it's just not you know it it's not smart it does it's not practical doesn't make any sense right you know so uh right so there you go well
2: i'm glad your family is doing well you know speaking of your your family you grew up with an in an air force family
1: yes i did i grew up in an air force family yep
2: yeah, wow, my father, and, and,
1: course, you
2: know. and by by the time you were you, you were a teenager, you traveled the world already.
1: Um, yeah, we had we went to uh, we lived in the Middle East and we lived in uh, Asia as well um, for a number oh. of years. So, you went to school in Rome, yeah, right? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, well, no, I went to school in 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 upstate New York. I went to school okay. in Turkey. I went to school in uh, in Taiwan and the Philippines. Uh, the school I went to, yeah, high school I went to was in Rome, New York. So it wasn't...
2: Oh, Rome, New York.
1: It was Rome, New York. Yeah, the city of Rome, New York.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, one of your resumes, one of those resumes that it's it's impossible to do like a two-hour show on because you were literally growing up in, in Hollywood in a time where it was the golden age of television and the golden age of movies. It's incredible. I mean... How was it like growing up? I mean, we're not in any different age. You and I, we're almost the same age. But watching how I've seen, I mean, some people I have to fake watching their shows, or or maybe I didn't see their shows, but I've seen literally almost every single show you've been on, because the shows that you were on, there was only six channels in the world. Uh, That is correct.
1: I well, I you know, I was uh, I started working. Uh, on camera in the business uh, full time around
3: 1985.
1: Right. Um, I didn't move here till '81 to LA, so I started working '85, '85 to now. So yeah, during those early years uh, of the of the of the series that we're on, um, at that time I think we were just starting to expand into cable. Uh, and, to, and into Showtime and HBO was you know was just on the horizon, but they were right, starting to get into the, and, and CTV yeah, as
3: well.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. And so they were starting at that time to get into um, into like into extra cable channels were starting to come in, and syndicated channels were coming in. And uh, right. the, it, without cable, without cable, you're still stuck with three, you know, the networks and stuff. So you had to get sure. cable. You had to pay pay per month for the cable. And right. Along with that came, you know, uh, the extra cable channels, and eventually Showtime and HBO. And those. Well, they
2: didn't have any serial. Yeah. They didn't have any serial television on there. I mean, the first show, really, that, that's kind of a big hit that I see that you're on was Hill Street Blues, which I watched like like religiously. Uh, yeah, right. I Hill Street
1: a- Blues. Yeah, yeah. Hill
2: Street Blues is an amazing show. Uh, you know, I've done casting for quite a lot of years. What was it like? Being casted for Hill Street blues when it was really at the height of it, of its monolithic career
1: well uh, you know it was uh, it, it, for me it would have been like any other show um, hmm. and, and quite frankly any of the gigs that, that 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 you see on the you know on imdb the the quite frankly the the television episodic stuff was all has all been for the most part kind of uh, routine and and typical and not that unusual uh, right. for the roles I played. All of that stuff was just cookie cutter type of uh, roles. Um, right. Some better than others, whatever. But you know, at the time, I all I thought was, you know, yeah, Hill Street Blues is well known. It is a popular show. Right. Uh, it's cool to have a shot at it. But but at the end of the day, it's a it's a gig that I needed to have. Period. You know, that's the main right. thing. Is it's work.
3: Right. So in order for work, in order for you to it,
1: further recruiter. Yeah. Yeah. In order to keep going. Sure. And and, uh, and 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 it's but it's a good thing that it was a network show. It's a good thing that it was a popular show. Uh, right. But quite frankly, any network show that I could have gotten on was just you know that was all happening. It was all right. good stuff. And, and then right. if there were some movies or features that came in, that's uh, you know even better actually. Like,
3: um, like Spaceballs.
1: But, uh, yeah. Yeah, like spaceball something. So those typically uh the feature films uh whether they were independent um or even sometimes uh large uh, big budget movies, but mostly independent films were the ones that were the most interesting uh to work on because they you know the roles almost always are unusual or different um right. and 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 more and more of a, a creative challenge. Uh whereas right. the television stuff Man, those are, you know, interchangeable almost um, because the, the, I, I'm, I'm usually end up uh, playing the same types of roles all the time. Right, you
2: know, right.
1: Just well, the way we, things are, you know.
2: Well, you were in Starman and all, like I was saying, you are going on a lot of these serial television shows. I can see how you can say they're cookie cutter and what have you because it, it, is, it does yeah. seem like the career path will take you down that road and you will be cast yeah. for these shows because they are the regulated shows that are on all these, all these channels.
1: Yeah, they are uh it's the same genre. I mean they're still, they're still doing them now and I'm still playing in them now. They're still, you know, uh the shows are doctor, lawyer, uh right. police, police dramas, uh soap operas, um and uh you know, that those are the three main sort of uh Projects that are doing all and emergency shows now really big, you know fire department, uh, um, EMT shows things like that. Uh, those are, are just uh, unbelievably popular. They just keep doing the same things over and over. There's at least right. five, six, six doctor shows, seven doctor shows, whatever. They're,
3: right. I've right. been
1: on two. I've been on two of them playing the
3: same type of role. So, so you know, it, it,
1: you know, literally the same type role in both places right. So, you know, because they're, the storylines are going to be, this, I mean, for the most part, it's the same thing over and over and over again. And, right. you know, whoever, whether it's an older audience watching it, generally it is, or whether it's some people who are younger who have never seen those types of shows and get hooked into it, maybe. But most of the young people aren't even watching you know regular series television anymore you know because they're uh, they're just looking at Netflix and Hulu and the streaming stuff they just watch all the episodes at once right and the, and those those streaming shows can be you know uh, fairly different i mean <clears throat> that's one thing about the difference between network television and what you see now on streaming networks aren't doing a lot sure. of the stock stuff. And if they are, they're doing it with a, it's off the nose. It's like, it's uh, eccentric or it's, um, you know, unusual or it's edgy or it's something else. They aren't really doing that much of that kind of stuff. They're doing mostly, uh, you know, a lot of supernatural stuff, a lot of fantasy, some horror, some action, some this, that, and the other things. So they, they can go anywhere they want, and do anything they want. They can be as crude or as edgy, as blue as or as, you know, whatever, a rough and tumble because they have, um, they have the option to do that because it's a streaming thing that uh, that you pay for. Right. Not unlike HBO, not unlike HBO who had challenging series, you
2: know? Well, coming from serial television, at what point did you feel like things have been changing? Because, you know, everything changed maybe about 10, 12 years ago when Netflix came into play and then Amazon prime. And then now we have Apple plus and Disney plus and what have you. How does it feel to live in this kind of world now compared to like 1984, 1985 the Hill Street Blues days, where now you have more of an option to play so many, like a litany of characters compared to being tied into like the same old, like we said, cookie cutter characters. Uh, yeah. Well, it, 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 the whole thing about uh, uh,
1: the streaming services, not only for myself as an actor, but for viewers as well, you have a, the buffet table that's got about 30 feet longer. Right. You know, uh, with with a lot more variety on on the table. So, you know, when it comes to uh, potential roles and the types of roles I might end up doing, you know, yeah, the opportunities are far more vast now than they were before. Uh, just There's not even not necess- Even just in terms of volume and in ter- terms of the possibilities of of outlets and opportunities for work. The only thing about some of them is that you know. Your your pay scale is different for uh, cable and stream as opposed to network. Uh, network is the best place to work for uh, as far as compensation goes and residuals and things. But uh, right. from from a biz from a business standpoint, but from you know uh, creatively, you're going to have uh, more of a variety of uh, types of shows in, in in cable and also a variety in. Uh, uh, and also a little bit more of a volume. Now that that being said, a lot of the cable stuff, a lot of the streaming stuff, isn't shot here. A lot of it's shot in, you know, Canada or New York or yeah. Atlanta or someplace yeah. else. So those job those jobs that I would normally have in potentially uh, playing supporting roles, uh, right. those supporting roles are not here anymore. They're gone. No, so they're in Canada I don't, now.
2: Yeah, Vancouver.
1: Yeah, or or
2: New York or Atlanta.
1: Um, right. uh Yeah, Toronto or Vancouver. So. So I'm not getting uh, a chance to read for a lot of those supporting roles because they're going to hire somebody local, uh, right. you know, potentially. Um, uh, they'll read some of the series. Regular roles will be read, you know, out of L.A. and maybe chosen here, but most of them are going to be from somewhere else. Like they might get them from New York. and might get them from Atlanta. Wherever it is, right. <clears throat> there's a lot of parts and roles that are not available on the streaming services because they don't shoot here. Right. When I was in the, 19, I- in the 1980s, Everything shot in L.A. Right, everything was shooting here. There was no, we had we had
2: chips out here. We had every, everything was out here.
1: You had everything out here. The, I think the only thing that the, the, the Stephen J. Cannell started shooting uh, out of town. He started shooting Hunter up in Vancouver. They just okay. had started shooting in Vancouver. He had opened up a production company in Vancouver, so his shows shot up in up in uh, uh, up in Canada. And um, and just had just started doing that in the 1980s, I want to say the late 80s, early 90s. Right. They were starting to shoot up there in Canada. And so he opened the door to all of that. And then later on, the, the country itself, the government got on board with incentive programs that were heavy. So
2: um, Right. There was a lot of tax incentives so, out there.
1: Yeah. So everybody else came running. But, you know, because because but, you know, uh, back then the studios were all independently owned. They're not, you know, and be, you know, now they're all major corporations that own them. And so major corporations only care about the bottom line. They don't care about anything else. So uh, they're looking at quarterly profits. And if, if, if the show is going to shoot somewhere where they can save that X amount of dollars, you know, regardless of whether or not you keep seeing the same actors, you know, three times in a series because you know, they don't have that much of an actor pool up there, uh, they right. don't care they're just going to do it well, so well that's funny because uh, a lot of the actors that,
2: came out to la thinking that all oh, the jobs were out here
1: yeah some of them were moved up some of them did move to another city some of them did go you know out of town to go work in other places and you know over right. time but at the end of the day that the difference is that you know uh in terms of like i said in terms of business and stuff that the uh the opportunities for supporting roles um supporting leads, the guest star roles um, as will diminish over time. Right. I, don't, I read very rarely for, you know, guest star roles that shoot out of town. Um, right. And most of the t- you know, so it, 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 the, the amount of work could in fact be less because of the runaway production rather than, than beneficial to me in terms of the opportunities for different types of roles. Right. Uh, that includes ind- that includes low budget or independent medium budget films. They don't shoot here either. They shoot somewhere else. Right.
2: Right. So, you know, there is
1: all those parts are gone. So
2: um it's
1: very well, thin when it comes to this.
2: Let's roll back a little bit. You know, you you went to college, you you went to university for for theater. How was that like and did your family support you at that time when you because it's not a popular time for people to go to theater. A lot of people would say you know, you better get a major. How was it like at that time majoring in theater? Well, you know, it, uh, it, it
1: ultimately uh, I got a, you know, a Bachelor of Science uh, as a college degree. It, you, okay. you're, a college degree is, is a college degree. Uh, four years an right. undergraduate degree, to, you know, all it means is you went to school and completed a college degree. Right. You know, you could study that or you could study horticulture, you could study you know, basket weaving and get a degree <laughs> so if they offered it. It wouldn't matter. As long as you all they care about is that you got a degree. That's all that right. that's all that matters. That's just the nuts right. and bolts and mechanics of it, right? Right. You're not gonna you're not gonna your degree's not gonna matter unless you're gonna get a masters or a PhD. And then then right. you're topical and you can go work in those areas and they're gonna look for those degrees. But You know, I didn't go to, I didn't, I went to school to get the four-year degree, but I went to a a particular university that had a really serious theater program. And as a matter of fact, that program is not, is not the same anymore. They've changed it. Um, Hmm. Now it's, now it's more in line with a regular four-year college university where they have two first years, very heavy in um, general ed. And then you get, you finally get to step up and do some serious stuff in the last two years. Oh, that's nice. when I went, you started. It was like a. Uh, it was almost like a, a trade school in theater. Uh, that's how. That's what it. What it was structured like. And, and and when I went, I took you know shoot maybe anywhere between eight to 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 ten hours of theater, and only one or you know three or four hours of general ed per semester. The rest of it was all theater. So you were immersed in the theater program in right. all these different areas of theater not just was acting, it w- was it focused on like Meisner and what have you uh, no I, the, 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 there was there were several there were a couple of different acting teachers and they all had their own methods that they used we had mm. somebody that was method we had somebody that was more technique um, right. we had somebody that that focused on dialect we had somebody that focused on you know these different areas so we all had we took different classes with each Instructor to get you know a sort of a rounded approach. Plus you had uh, directing, playwriting. You had uh, box office, costume and wardrobe, construction, lighting, sound, right. all that stuff you could do. You could actually have hands-on working from the time you got there as an undergraduate and as a freshman in the shows. You were working on main stage plays and you were working on student plays, right. and and they brought out celebrity actors from Hollywood to be in the plays. Wow. So now you had four shows during the year, school year and three shows during the summer, all with name actors. from
2: Hello. Hello.
1: Yep. I'm here. You there? Yep. I'm here. Yeah. So you had name actors um, in those shows during the school year and during the summer who the, the director, the, the uh, artistic director brought out from L.A. So some of them are very well known. Some of them may be, you know, more character actors from years back, but they came out and did the shows. You know, I worked wow. with, uh, I worked with Leonard Nimoy, ironically enough. I worked with uh, Mercedes from <laughs> Cambridge, Jackie Coogan. I worked with uh, Greg Morris, the late Greg Morris, um, uh, Donnie Most. I mean, we worked with a lot of people over the time I was there and, they were in the main stage shows with us, the students, in those plays, and that's wow. what drew the the that's what drew the public, the, the the city, you know, the people from the city to come the cust- the uh, patrons to come watch the plays because we had you know celebrity name actors in the shows. So it was run like a regular professional, uh, either regional theater or touring theater. Uh, with a lead actor in it, star lead actor in it, and then we had the directing. Uh, the shows that were run by the students, the students Correct. in their second, second or third year got to direct their main their shows as well. They would do short one act plays, and they got to direct those plays. So, you know, I, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was quite the, um, it was quite the the, the lesson to, to. I got so much. I learned so much. In a, in a relatively short period of time, um, and I even graduated like I don't know a semester ahead of, of what I was supposed to graduate. So I got out like I you don't know a whole semester early, to, because I stayed there and, and did summer school twice. So at the end of the day, that was the, that was the way to go. It was theater twenty four seven. You know, it was around the clock. You know, working in some capacity on the shows. It was great. It was really great. It was it was a great opportunity to have. Um, you know uh, to 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 be able to to participate in that program when I did nothing but timing on that because if I went there now it would be it would be very different than it was. so you know um, and a chance to get on stage, a chance to to actually perform, a chance to uh, you know to direct a, a play, a chance to learn you know the craft in different areas you know before you left out. Before I left college, I was working professionally. I got two jobs that I got booked while I was there. I worked on a masterpiece theater for PBS uh, with Glenn, Glenn Turman was the lead actor in it. And, uh, and then I worked on, and I got my SAG card and then I worked on another local TV show that was like a, a sitcom or a family sort of sitcom. I worked on that. It was a regional show. And and, you know, I got a chance to do that before I even left college. So by the time I came to L.A., I already had a head start and a lot of people who just arrived. So, you know,
2: right. there, there it is. That's, when, when did the music start for you? Because I know you're a musician. When did the music start for you? It uh, started for me when I was 16.
1: Um, I started playing guitar when I was 16. So that's 45 years ago, roughly. Wow. Um, And I started playing, uh, you know, in bands and things at the time, um, you know, and and did a few gigs. You know, I did gigs for different things. And I worked, you know, I kept playing throughout the years in different variations of bands, rock band, big seven-piece R&B bands, uh, folk, you know, guitar, acoustic guitar, and a coffee shop with a microphone kind of thing. Did that for years. And I came back, did top 40 in a club for two years, and whatever, when I moved to L.A., with another band, and then, and then um, took a break for a while. Came back and, and and started working with a record producer, a record company called Crescendo Records. Produced a CD with them, and then went on to do my own uh, with my own band and my own C D. So that's and that's where we are today. So it's a long uh, winding road, as it were.
2: You've you spent a long time with with music. Is that your, yeah. Would you say that's your second passion?
1: Um, well, you know, depending upon the circumstance, it could be my first passion. You know, I enjoy playing. <laughs> I, I enjoy I enjoy performing live. Right. Uh, quite a bit uh, because it's live. You know. Uh, right. Television and film that that pays the bills. Television right. and film pays the bills. Uh, right. I enjoy performing. I enjoy performing live because you have a live audience, you know, and, sure. uh, and it's much more exciting and much more exhilarating than, and, and then, uh, you know, working in a uh, in, uh, single camera or whatever it comes out to. It's usually single camera. Um, sure. You know, if it's uh, if it's a live comedy with a, li- a live, a four-camera comedy with a live audience, now that's fun. You know, that's right. a challenge and that's, that's a kick. Um, so uh, those kinds of gigs are great far as working in front of camera, but uh, but in but overall, if you have a live audience, man, that's that's what the show is, man. It's live theater, live music, live
2: taping, or Absolutely. whatever it is. Yeah. Now you you worked with Leonard Nimoy when you were young. Did you ever watch the original yeah. Star Trek show yourself? So, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure the answer is yes. But did you did you watch the original Star Trek show?
1: Well, yeah, because you know we I, I watched that as much as I watched uh, Isle of Lucy and Gilligan's Island. I mean, it played the, right. They, they played those series pretty much endlessly on syndicated television. I mean, if you turn yeah. the channel past, you know, the major networks there, that's what you're going to see, you know, right. Andy at Mayberry. I know all those, I know all the shows and all the episodes and all the storylines and everything else. Um, and, and Star Trek is thrown right in there with it. They were all running them in syndication the right. at that time uh, on maybe one channel you know that you right. might have had because we had antennas back in those days so oh,
2: yeah. I remember when Star Trek yeah. Generations came out I mean we I literally ran to go see those episodes it was the first time i believe that Paramount had their own uh, tv station here in LA on, on channel 13 uh sure, that was yeah. Yeah. that was incredible
1: yeah yeah that was uh yeah they they uh, eventually got the UPN that we're going but they were ultimately you know, uh, when they, they resurrected the show and that's because the show had been in syndication for years, you know, a couple of decades, right. uh, or more of showing that thing over and over. And they didn't realize, you know, they eventually realized oh, there's a big audience for this thing. We need to,
2: right.
1: you know, maybe reboot it since we own it, you know, just reboot right. it and put it back on again. And,
2: right. uh, and, and thus they did so it was incredible with Sir Patrick Stewart. It was, it was amazing. And now you were in Star Trek Generations and it was way after this show was office in negation, what have you. Uh, yeah. What was, how was that experience for you? It must've been amazing. Was, what's that how, was it, how, how was it like being in Star Trek Generations, the, the, the movie? Uh, it was, it
1: was uh, cool. Uh, I mean, I, uh, they, I, I got a chance to work with uh you know, those actors from the original series, uh, all pretty right. much in one day, just about. And, uh, that was pretty much a kick, uh, to be able to do that, I guess, because they are, uh, iconic and, right. and it was a, and it was a feature film project. So we know it's going to be, you know, in the movie theaters. Right. And, uh, so it's a, it's a big positive on all of those things, uh, right. as far as that goes. And, and, uh, um, and a chance to, uh, like I said, work with um, uh, some of the actors from the original series. Um, sure, I ended up working with quite a few of them over the years, but you know,
2: but yeah, that was kind yeah. of cool. Yeah, I love John Brakes himself. It, it's very interesting it, when *Searching Voyager*, which I jump to right now, when *Searching Voyager* was first going to come out. I remember the, the press releases about the show before it came out. Watching the blueprints of the yeah. ship before they, they even showed it to anybody, it, you know, and it was the slow release. There was no Instagram, there was no Twitter, there was no Facebook. You had to pick up magazines back in those days and see yeah. what people are doing with these with these TV shows. Uh, now I would like to know how amazing it, it was for you to have gone from all these experiences. Uh, You know, being with Leonard Nimoy when you were young, going through all these experiences of watching syndicated television, and then you yourself being such in in such a pop culture. Because there's two things. There's Star Wars and there's Star Trek. Star Wars is art and Star Trek is science. And it's it's such a it's such a, uh, a brain tease for a lot of people. People just love it so much. And you were in, to me, the second best show that was released. I, I did like Deep Space Nine. I mean, I did enjoy it, but Voyager was a show that I was addicted to, like the character Paris and what have you. I mean, I, I love that show. Seven of Nine, I love that show. Yeah. Uh, um, you know,
1: the, uh, the reason that Voyager became so popular is because it was a, uh, a throwback to the original series. Um, hmm. Yeah. It was, it was un- uncharted, unexplored space. So your storyline right. Are completely wide open. You can do whatever you want. You're not right. tied to any any folklore or any characters or any circumstances, situations that are already established.
3: Right. You know,
1: in uh, in their home base. So, you know, uh, th- th- I think one of the reasons that that show did as well as it did was because of the the concept and where they placed the ship. You know, uh, right. so that they could get away with exploring you know, uncharted space. That's the way was, the original series began.
2: Yeah, it was very smart to go to the Delta Quadrant where, where nobody knew what anything was, and you can just recreate, you know, any kind of monster or feeling that you want. Anything, anything you, you want. want. Yeah. Anything you want. Absolutely. Yeah. any Literally anything you want.
1: And yeah. get away with it because nobody's right. seen it before. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And it's
1: again, it's yeah, once... I'm going to say one series, one series is based a little bit more on pseudoscience. The other one is based on, you know, uh, action and and getting along with it. I, you know, I don't necessarily, uh, for me, for myself, I don't find, you know, a tech talk that appealing, you know, I think it's more interesting in terms of the, uh, uh, the characters and the um, the emotional interaction between them and what they have to do. Because if you look at the original series, the dialogue in there does not heavy with tech talk. Right. It's not heavy at all. It hardly has any, and it actually ran longer. It ran ten minutes longer than the shows run now. Right. So, uh, you know, so you don't necessarily need all of that to tell a story. It's all about, you know, what the circumstance is, and then how you're going to get yourself out of it, or what somebody is doing or saying or whatever, you know, and then how do we deal with this problem? Um, And we had a few episodes, you know, a number of, quite a number of episodes where there wasn't so much of that going on. I think when you get into that stuff, it just isn't, it's just, it. you know, uh, these days I'm particularly not interested in playing um, in any role that has a lot of jargon. You know, and it doesn't matter whether it's sci-fi or whether it's um, lawyer speak or doctor speak, because all three of those <laughs> are the same.
3: It's right.
1: jargon. You know, like who cares? You know, why the doctor has to explain the operation? We don't give a rat's ass about the rob. What the hell? The you know, what drug and what this and what procedure and what blah blah blah. Just show it to us. You know. Right. You know, right. Uh, and or let's 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 you know, you go into the operating room and then we come out and well, what's happening after they come out of the operating room? How is the patient feeling? Right. What's the relationship between the patient and the, and and their family? What's the relationship between the patient and the doctor? Whatever. You know, rather than you know, explaining to someone uh a bunch of medical jargon. And the same with the lawyers speak. I mean uh I don't want to hear a bunch of, you know, uh, legalese rather than, right. you know, what's, what, what the case is about, you know, who did what and why and where and how. That's more interesting right. than, than – More character study. If, yeah, the more minutiae of, 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 uh, of how we're going to – what the procedure is, or minutiae about the technical aspects of it. I don't, that's boring to me. I could yawn all day long listening to that. Right. Not interested. Right. Not interested at all. You know, right. and it's not, you know, I understand everybody's more, a little more tech savvy, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, right. if you come across an unusual phenomenon, you know, I think the just the minimum of the, of the tech talk to try to deal with the phenomenon, you know, uh, right. if you're going to scan it, if you're going to scan it, scan it. Don't have to explain how or why, you know, what the particulars are of scanning it, just scan it. You know, right. or you know, analyze it, or you know, uh, you know, what's it made of, or whatever, and you know, what kind of harm could it have or do to us? What you should remind we me, do about it? You know,
2: you remind me a lot of Paul Rudd and Ant Man, where he where he he's like clueless of the science, and he goes, "Do you guys just put quantum in the in the front of everything that you say?" Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> it's that just jargon.
1: is yeah because. I mean, that's where I am now with all that stuff. I don't like to play it, and I don't like to watch it, to be honest with yeah. you. I mean, I don't, I don't watch that stuff, and I, and I, I prefer not to have to play it. Uh, the, right. the, if I'm looking at a, if I'm reading for a part, and I see all that nonsense in it, I'm pretty much going to pass on it.
2: Well, I've seen you've because, played a lot you know, of that in your, in your past. I mean, you've, you've been in, a, you know, like ER. You've been in a lot of shows that have had jargon, so I can see why some, you, you've yeah. taken on that. Yeah.
3: Yeah
1: yeah i mean i haven't had anything super super heavy um uh, i mean i played a couple i played a i don't know but i did a i read for something that was super heavy and it was just obnoxious it was so bad um
2: the really? the
1: i haven't i i haven't i didn't and i didn't get the role i didn't care about the role because it was <laughs> it was just it was ridiculous you know um and and i and i if, if i have to look at that stuff now i'm i'm more than likely going to pass on it you know i wanted to i want to see on the page, I want to see some kind of character reaction, character motivation, character interaction, um, some kind of emotional arc, some kind of decision that has to be made. You know, right. if it's a comedy, if it's a comedy. You really don't have to do that much stuff in a comedy. But the dramas, I'd like to do something. It's just, you know, that's, uh, I, who cares? It, you know, whether or not it's a, a you know, a gobbledygook or a giggity gig or whatever it might be. I don't care about any of <laughs> that. okay. <laughs> What, what has that got to do with anything? So
2: Right. Well, I see not you were, you're in iCarly. I mean, that must have been the, the farthest removed from Godly Gook. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, comedy, man, is uh, is always fun. I wish we would have had a live audience. Unfortunately, we didn't. But um, hmm. because the show is very – technically, it's very difficult to do. So right. Um, uh, there's a lot of gags and things like that and physical right. stuff and whatever. So – even he shot it just as is, and and you know, I, but even then, you know, the 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 finished product was very very funny. The way it was put together and the dialogue was always really good. And and uh, the the executive producer uh, Dan Schneider used to do a really good job at writing and uh, and working it and changing it and you know trying this and trying that to see which might be the funniest. And then they right. put it together in post. So right. it was a very very fun show to work on. It was a lot of work. I mean, Dan Schneider worked it. He yeah. watched you that day. That was a that was a long day. When yeah. You got in front of the camera to work. That you were working, and and yeah. um, and and the kids on there were great to work with. Everybody on there was great to work with.
2: All professionals.
1: Yeah, one one hundred and ten percent, man. And not yeah. just uh, what you see on the camera. I'm talking about just on the set and going through the process. They were they were bringing it, and yeah. there was. There was no uh, cutting up. There was no acting out. There was no attitude. There was no unprofessionalism. They were serious. And they they were, they always, you know, they, they, you know, they would, their personality was always the same. They always, they would smile and, right you know, have a laugh or whatever joke. But they would never, the production to lose money or time in the yeah, days I, that I ever, I worked
2: on it. I never saw right. it. So. I can see there's such a huge difference between the old generation of maybe the nineties kids who had, you know, TV shows and what have you to, to the kids today that are teach who would take it very, very seriously because they've seen yeah. the kids of the past ruin their careers based upon just their, they just their simple attitude of being wrong.
1: 100%. Yeah. That, the, the you know, I don't, I, I, I haven't worked on, uh, any shows currently – I did work on one show uh, recently. It, it, it didn't uh, – it only did a couple of seasons, I think, um, mm. that was pretty – it's a couple of young people on it, and they were very, very good. They worked very hard. They were disciplined. They were professional, and, and they were more millennial, I want to say, young. maybe they were high okay. school. They were playing high school um, or college. I think it was either high school or just early college. I can't remember which one I and mean, they might have been college, but they were they were very good Nice. They, came, they delivered they they did the job and and everything was cool in that so um i can't I haven't worked on any other or was it family not the hell was that one There was one I did with a young family and worked with a couple of kids in there, but I didn't actually have any scenes with the kids. So I, the, the last one that would have been the heaviest would have been iCarly, and that was a number of years ago. So.
2: Sure. Uh, you also did Arrested Development, which is a, a fantastic show. Uh
1: yes, Arrested Development. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that must have been the farthest that's well, yeah.
2: for from a lot of you know TikTok you know, kind of shows you got because that's that's pretty much just uh a a lot of yeah. straight off riffing, yeah.
1: Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, it's also worked on uh Hulu's show Pen fifteen, which is all kids.
3: Actually oh, I yeah. that
1: not all kids because the right. lead actresses are in thirty something, so they're not kids. The the uh, other uh actors on there that were children or young people are younger they were uh they all they got they, they delivered 'cause it takes place in high school, so right.
2: I see you yeah. you worked on Supergirl as well and those are those are to me millennials as well. I mean that that's hit a, a yeah, brand yeah. new audience right there. And, and now that yeah. that show is, I, I believe, was filmed in Canada. Am I am mean, I am wrong on that one? That is correct. That is correct. And It is filmed up in yeah. Vancouver. Yeah. Mhm. Uh, yeah, it's because a fantastic, uh, fantastic, they, they, it's yeah. a fantastic show, and I, I did see you in that episode. That was a it's a fantastic show.
1: Yeah, that that seemed to have been done very well.
2: It was done for
1: was directed professionally, done very well. Um, and and acted very well. The, the the lead character, the the play Supergirl, was just wonderful. Beautiful personality.
2: Um, oh, she's wonderful. Had time
1: to talk to her off set, and she had a
2: hell of a hard day
1: that day. I mean, doing dialogue up up the wazoo. So she yeah she came out with all that stuff, got it dead on, got it right. Multiple multiple takes and coverage, and she. You know, when she came off, it was like, "Yeah, you know," and she could she sat down, we would talk and that you know, just very personable, very sweet, um, enjoyed. What you I like you know what I like about it, her
2: is that she she knew the break that she got when she got that show because she got it before Superman got. It. Now Superman is going to have a, a show, I think next season, but Supergirl started first, and I think she knew yeah. really the break that she got when that show came out, and it, it hit hard. Well, I
1: should hope I should hope it uh I should hope it does well. It's we're in the Marvel years for now or the DC years. Yeah. You know, it's about comic books coming to life. That's what they're doing, you know, because yeah. we have CG and we're able to make it look very realistic. So Right. That's the that's the theme for the day, and it's going to be there as long as the corpse can milk it and make as much money as they can.
2: <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I, I grew up with, I grew up with a minor learning disability, and and I collected comic books as a kid, and and you know, p- people like Stan Lee really taught me how to write novels, and I'm always going to give him credit yeah. for that because he taught me quantum mechanics he taught me about how to differentiate between characters how to change things up in a in a, in a millisecond so i really do give him a gigantic amount of credit i, I i'm not a big fan of of overdoing it the way people are overdoing it right now but i i have enjoyed watching the people that i've loved for all these years coming to the big screen yeah um I grew up
1: with some of with Many of these characters that they put on the screen Now which isn't you know and it, it is interesting To see because they can make It look so realistic um, right. That th- these characters come to life it's, It is kind of cool you know I do have my You know for preferences And criticisms here and there about all this Sure stuff. But, but ultimately yeah it's, it's interesting to see it I read the comics Growing up as well because we had you know That's what we did back then you know right. We didn't have iPhones and iPhones and Nope. YouTube and Instagram, we had, to, you know, you had to go get a comic book, you know, and yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, uh, and, and go play in the yard and pretend and make believe. So, know. <laughs> you know, now, now it's, uh, you know, to see the stuff comes to life on the screen, uh, in in the, in the, just these. Giant uh, features that they're making. Yeah, you know, some of it is pretty interesting. Some of it is pretty cool um, to go along with that. Um, you know, uh, but like I said, it, you know, how long are they? Are they going to play that note? How long are they going to do right. it? You know, uh, when is it going to become? Is in maybe twenty minutes after people don't go see it? They're going to, you know, right. going be into that and beyond. I think eventually.
2: I think eventually they'll be fatigue and it will go back to the independent yeah. films mm-hmm. and what have you. Now yeah, there's something yeah. about there's something about Star Trek for you that, that you just continued on doing other Star Trek pro- properties after Voyager. What, what is it about the Star Trek property that, that, uh, that kind of motivates you to do all these other projects afterwards?
1: It's not the Star Trek property so much as it is, you know, I got a call from a producer about doing a project, you know, I just got a call yeah. and I said to the one, did you want to shoot? Do you want to direct this? This uh, pilot presentation—that's what it was. Those are pilot presentations. Wow. They were doing them as, as uh, samples. They were doing them as uh, demos. Right. So uh, hopefully to try to sell them. And you know, it's fine. It's great. Um, sure. It, it, I said uh, yeah, sure, I'll shoot it because at the time I was uh, have been directing uh, projects as well. Right. So. So it was an opportunity to do that and get some science fiction stuff under my belt. And that's what I wanted to do. So
3: sure. now,
1: you know, uh, I have that genre that I've shot and I can use that as an example. If somebody else comes along with something else. Right. So uh, and, and consequently one of the people that uh, that worked on it in post is now working on something else from scratch from the beginning, which I'm developing with them and, we're hoping to shoot that as a feature down the line, and that's what I'm saying I mean he was well, incredible, me, you know as a director and also you know doing post production. I worked with him, so he he knows my work, he likes the way I work, he likes what I've shot and how I've done it and and you know uh wants to work with me so that that one led to the other, so you don't these opportunities when they come up you know right uh, typically typically the door is open for uh, this job that you do to lead to another job right? or the job after that, because right. it may be the, pro- it may be the director, maybe the producer. Well, be, well you've uh, written,
2: you've done, you've done cinematography, you, you've directed, I mean, you've done everything. So I, I can yeah, see how mostly. you're, you're just building up your, your resume there.
1: Yeah. Well, mostly the, 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 the majority of what I've done, I've done some uh, co-writing and I've done some uh, rewriting um, and uh, and and I don't you know I don't consider myself a, a writer per se because I don't make a living as a, as a writer. I have right. written and and revised feature film scripts here and there because I desperately needed it. Um, and right. I've directed I've directed you know and and also developed story on several projects Um, uh, so if the producer is going to if somebody calls me out of the blue and says hey you know would you like to you know work with me directing this feature and i said yeah sure man what do you have and in those two instances initially as far back as gods and men they didn't have a script we didn't have a script you know uh nothing they had nothing they just had they they were going to do this thing and they had a couple of writers, and I said, well, we'll sit down and we'll hash out a story. Why don't right. we do a story to this basic concept? And then we started banging everything, putting everything together, and then we got the money to go ahead and make it. So we, you know, we, uh, uh, you know the, that, those jobs came to me. And the only <laughs> other way you're going to get those gigs is if, if you have a relationship with somebody who's, who's got the potential to make a project and you can sign on as a director or, or you, uh, it's your own project which you have brought to fruition and you've got somebody right. interested to buy it or back it and then you can shoot it then. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to – it's not going to happen. In some cases, I, I directed a, 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 a feature – it was a co-directed feature with uh, four directors, four different directors uh, recently called Life on, Life on the Rocks. And the reason <clears throat> was, was because each – the film is a, is a, is a compilation of, of stories Uh, individual stories that are sort of overlapped or linked in the same location. So each story, each story is almost a standalone. And so they had a different director for each story. That's the way he wanted to do it. So I said, okay, well, you know, come on board, I'll shoot this. And that was a referral. That was just a referral. I would worked with uh, one of the uh, co-producers on it and he remembered me and they were looking for somebody to shoot. He gave me a call. He says, how would you like to direct? you know, one of these episodes. I said, hell yeah, that would be fabulous. Let's do it. So we ended yes. up doing just that. And, uh, uh, you know, and it came out. it turned out pretty well, uh, you know, and, and that's it. And I even had a chance on that one to work, you know, going over the dialogue and trying to get, uh, and doing some of the dialogue changes and editing and things like that. So uh, the the opportunities to get behind camera on the project are, are usually random and or, a referral, a reference, and/or uh, something that you've done yourself. It's just it, it, they, they don't. They do list and advertise. Sometimes they will list um, in uh, on online agencies here and there that we're looking for a director for blah blah blah. I did pick up one job like that where they there was really? uh, an ad for uh, yeah an ad for a director for a short film. I sent in my material. They got back to me. And they, uh, they ended up hiring me to shoot their short film. And it was a short film that was more like an in-house promotional narrative story. So it's not something that, you know, not something they're going to put in festivals or, you know, that's designed for commercial work. It was designed to promote their, their company. Right. Uh, but it was a story. They shot it here in L.A. We scouted. We uh, laid out the production. We shot the thing. Um, you know, and they did all the post work on it. They did a great job on post. And, you know, the whole thing came together uh, very nicely. Uh, and I have nice. the whole, you know, I got a the, the film on my computer and the, and the demo, the trailer for it. So, you know, so if I had to show somebody, here's a sample of blah, 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 you know, uh, this style of short, here it is, this style of film, here it is, this style of blah, whatever, here's a genre. I've got this genre. I've done a period piece. I've done a medieval period piece. I've done science fiction, space, future. I've done uh, straight drama. I've done romantic comedy. I've done, you know, all of those styles. Um, the only one that I'm missing, I'm missing an, a solid physical action piece. And I've just finished shooting something that had some of that up in Sacramento. It's a supernatural, uh, supernatural, uh, thriller, whatever they want to call it. Um, and uh, so it had some uh, it had some physical fighting and action in it, which is cool. So I nice. haven't I haven't done that much of that kind of stuff just yet. So
2: now, w- yeah, what what got you into video game work? You know, you did a lot of voiceover work for video games, like Castle Wolfenstein. I mean, one of my favorite games. What got what got yeah. you into that realm? Mm,
1: that was. Um, after working on Voyager, I did, I don't know, four. I think I was still on Voyager. I did four or five audiobooks. Really? That I read for. Yeah, I read for at least four or five audiobooks. books. Um, one of them was uh, a series of two or three stories. Another one was uh, something else. And then I did at least four or five uh, audio books. And then after the audio books, I, I, I went to uh, – I tried to secure a voiceover agent and I did, and then from there, uh, they went to a bigger agency and ended up doing with them. And then, and then they sent me out for stuff like uh, video games and things like that. I did one or two commercials, but I did a video. I've nice. done at least a dozen, a dozen video games. So, yeah.
3: Um, so
1: they sent, they started sending me. So I've done. It, it is just, it was just sort of a progressive thing because I did the audio, the audio books, and then I started doing this stuff. Um, right, and uh, it just turns out that uh, you know, um, I, if my voice works for some roles and parts, then that's great. So, I still read for them. I still submit for them, and if they book me, that's great. And if not, well, that's the way it goes. So, <laughs> so yeah, Voice voiceover came as a result of having worked on the show. Right.
2: Well, yeah. you know, we have very we have similar friends that that worked on Fifth Passenger. Uh, I, want, mm-hmm. I, want, I want I want to know how was it how was it like working with like Scottie Baker and my new, and, and a lot of it, the other characters that they were in so many different series in one movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: um, well I know Scott I've known Scott for a while I knew him long before he shot Fifth Passenger so nice. uh, he worked with me on he worked with me on Renegades to work in camera. Um, That's right uh, on both of those so he's. You know, uh, it was a, it's a, always a pleasure to work with Scott. It's always a pleasure to hang out with him. He's he's a very cool guy, and he's uh yeah, and 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 very talented. And uh, when he approached me about working on Fifth, I said, yeah, sure, man. What's the role? And I I, re- I really liked the part. I liked the storyline, and uh, it was a really really low budget project. But uh, they managed right. to pull that thing out of the hat and really make <laughs> a good a good film. Uh, a a good looking film when it was all done. Right. so you know and he went from working from you know working camera uh, operator steady cam camera to actually directing and he did a really good job uh turning that thing out and it was a pleasure to work with him yeah. you know on it and it's a it's a good piece of footage uh to have it's a good project to be associated with they'd made some money on that somebody made some money on it because i've got <laughs> at least a, a residual checker. A residual tech or two here and there, right? It. And so it's done. It's done well. I can't say that it isn't done well. It, it you has. Know. It's on
2: Amazon Prime right
1: now. Yeah, Amazon Prime. There you go. There you go. Yeah, it's yeah. a good. It's a good film. Uh, it's a really good film. I, I, you know, I I was very proud to to uh, been a part of it.
2: You know, people were very kind to them, you know, during, you know, I, I know somebody let them borrow one of the sets for uh, for the spaceship and what have you. So a lot uh, of people were very kind to them uh, uh, while making that film.
1: It. It's called low budget producing, man. That's what happens. Yeah. You have to be uh, a <laughs> low budget producer. The, the, God bless them. They can uh, they can they can have that job. It's not something I like to do. But uh, producing, right. you have to pull stuff out of the hat. You have to right. find the locations, you gotta find the the uh the props and the uh costumes and the the actors and you gotta find the the money to make the bloody thing, you know, that's right. That's what you have to do. And if you don't right. man, if you don't have that hat on straight, you know, you're gonna right. be hurting. So You're gonna be uh, losing pretty fast. Yeah, you're gonna be in trouble. It's just uh yeah. it's it's not a it's not a not an easy thing to
2: do all the time, you know? No. We're running out of time, my friend. But you know, I do. I want to yeah. talk to you a little bit about uh, about your music. But before we get to that, are there any future film works that we that we should know about that you're working on? Are you are you directing something right now that's coming to the forefront?
1: I'm working on a science fiction series, which is a contemporary a sort of contemporary story that that has sci-fi elements and also. Uh, Marvel Comics type elements in it. uh, superheroes. Uh, right. and it's superheroes. It's, right. Uh, and I'm working on it with a production company here in Los Angeles called Genesis Group. And uh, okay. right now, we are, we're currently pitching it. Uh, nice. Or they are currently pitching it for us. We are partnered with them. And uh, it's a very cool, a very cool story, a very cool piece that hasn't been done yet. And, right. uh And it's a series type thing. and It's an action hero series type project. Um, you know, if I had to compare If I had to compare It to something um, That's been done in the past That's got a lot of action It's just straight up action Not a lot of special effects and CGI I would look at uh, something like The original Highlander uh,
2: Type uh, movies where there's There's going of be one of,
1: Yeah, it's just, it's just it, 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 Not a lot of um, Green screen and effects are necessary This right. is more a Character building yeah, it's more characters it's more physical action, you know, mm. and physical stuff going on, locations and practical things in camera rather than a lot, a lot, a lot of posts. Like right. a Marvel show now that you watch is a lot of posts. There's a ton of posts in there because they're sure. using certain types of powers and things are happening and whatever. And, you don't know, in nice. this show, it's all about the people, the bad guys and the good guys. And they and they, you know, they tangle with each other, you know, from time to time. So there's not going to be as much. Of that stuff in it, which is good. So, uh, right. working on that with a production company, also working on it, developing a feature film that is science fiction. It's all futuristic stuff. It's all you know, CGI, a lot of CGI, green screen stuff. It's that it is a space adventure um, film, uh, drama, and uh, action, which we'll, which I'm working on with another producer who's based up in the north. Um, we're just about to put together, we're putting together the trailer for it now for the people he has uh, as investors. So. We nice. haven't started shooting. We're just putting. We're just in pre-production. Very long trail of pre-production. So, I have nice. those two. Those two projects right now are in the pipeline. Um, I and mean, then one is a series. The other is a feature film. Uh, mm-hmm. The series has to be. The series has to be picked up. It has to be bought in order for it to be seen. It could be done as a feature, but it needs to be. It needs. It really is designed to be um, a series. Are you looking? Are so, you looking to direct either of them? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would be directing the sci-fi future for for certain because we, you know, nice. I basically helped to create the story for it. The other one is I would uh, definitely be on board as a supervising director and or, you know, direct the pilot and or the episodics here and there because you'd be right. bringing, typically bring in multiple directors for series. So, you know, we'd be bringing other people in to shoot it. But ultimately um, I would be, if we, if it's picked up, you know, we'll have a chance to work on it and, and shoot it in, you know, it ain't going to be cheap to make. It's going to cost a few bucks, you know, to make it happen. So,
3: yeah, yeah, those three, four, yeah, yeah
1: there's two or three other projects that I'm pitching uh, that are features uh, here and there. Uh, so those two are, the, are, the, are, the, are in the forefront, and there's a few that are in the background. And, uh, you know, that's the way it is. It's a constant, ongoing process. Uh, what we do and, and and doing this stuff like it is and you know, it's a crapshoot. It's, it's you know developing and writing or creating, and then you have to sell it. You know unless you're a, you know uh, Steve Jobs, in which right. case you can just go to your bank and get it out and take the money out and shoot it. I mean, <laughs> just shoot it right you know, out there. Wouldn't would we love to have that? So <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's that's all. That's that's all she wrote, man. Um, as far as. Anything that might be coming
2: down the pipe. There, and what's what's the future holding for you? What's that now? Let's talk to you about your music right now. How are really we looking forward in the future? What's in the pipeline for you, for musically speaking? Uh,
1: musically, we're you know I'm I I don't know if I'm going to go back into the recording studio or not. I might. Um, it's possible I might go and do some more recording some songs, and then digitally upload them, you know, to iTunes and places like that. Um, that's, it's a possible a consideration. I might do that. I'm not sure if and when I might do that. It's usually when I get a stockpile of songs that, are, that I haven't played before right. uh, or that I've been, I've been playing live and just haven't recorded so it's possible that i might put those together in a in a in another cd or put them together just to just record them and then upload them as uh, additional songs to what i have on there already
3: That's stream right. so
1: i haven't decided whether to do that i haven't decided if and when i'm going to do that yet uh and, right. but other than that other than that it's just playing live gigs i you know when when this is all you know, when we're not sequestered, that's over with, and get back to life again.
2: Uh, <laughs> I usually, I perform, I perform regularly over it. Uh, yeah. Now that must be that must be a sort of hell of, of because right now you, you can't go out and play live gigs and and do, do that like is that is correct. Yes, that yeah. is
3: correct.
1: I miss I miss it already. Yeah, wow. I really do miss it. Uh, I didn't yeah, even think uh, about that. You know, yeah, you can't play any gigs. You can't play any. You can you can practice at home. Right. Um, but you can't. You can't. Uh, you can't go out and perform live, and uh, right. that also includes, you know, personal appearances and things like that. They're all done for now. So there's nothing. You know, there's not a whole lot uh, that one can do. You know, at this point in time, you know, over, you know, seventy percent, seventy-five percent of production is shut down. If not most of it. Right. Nobody's shooting anything. You can't. So. Right. You know. So, everything is at a standstill until the veil is lifted
2: from this thing. Right. uh, To be able to get back to work, you know. Well, thank God you're working uh, on projects right now for for the future. And, you know, when everything opens up again, it's going to be like floodgates because so many people are going to write. Yeah. I'm I'm
1: certainly hoping so. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly certainly hoping so. Yeah. Well, you, you have a daughter that's
2: an actress as well. How's it like for her right now?
1: Uh, well, I mean, she's, uh, she just finished working on a feature film up in, up in, uh, Northern California. She was in a, one of the films she was in, she played a supporting lead in a film called Candy Corn, which was released this past year. Oh. Um, I think it was 2019, December, 2019. And, wow. uh, that's with Tony, that's with Tony Todd and, uh, and Courtney, Courtney Gaines and a few other people. So she's She's in that film Sporting Lee. she just played the lead role in another independent feature up in Northern California it's a low budget budget sci-fi uh, 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 uh thriller and she right. starred in that so she's you know doing like everybody else you know with a, if a, if an opportunity comes along to read for a role or do something she's going to go ahead and do it and see if she can book it and right that's how it goes but she's done you know free films already so
2: wow now
1: she's just got to she's just got to break into what she's trying to do is break a little bit into more into the television market. She right. hasn't cracked that that egg just yet. That so egg She wants huh? to get into it. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's it funny. It's backwards
2: out. now. You know, you, you, you before, if you got into television, you had to crack the egg of being in movies. But nowadays, you know, she's doing all these movies. She has to crack the egg of being on television.
1: Yeah. You know, it's a different... It's a different venue, uh, television, than it is independent films. Independent films right. are independent films, so they don't—they're not beholden to anyone else. Whereas the networks, right. you know, uh, production companies on TV shows, they're they're beholden to the networks, and networks are give you final approval on, you know, series regular roles and things like that, and and they have a bigger say so about you got to you got to go through more people to get those parts, right? And so uh, they're typically going to want to see a more of a track record um, of your performances and work in television before they give you another television role.
3: Sure.
1: Um, that's kind of how it works. Whereas on a, you know, those are independent uh, projects and if the director likes you, then, you know, you're often off to the races, you know? So right.
3: um,
1: that, that's the difference between the two. Uh, uh, at this point, she's uh She'll have some really good footage from this one here. She did some things in it that she's not done before in the other projects, which can showcase nice. her range, you know, her range and what she can do. And then she, uh, you know, she'll have that as a really good uh, uh, showpiece for this. So, Right. We'll see what did, did you, do, yeah. did you do have
2: any, you know, because I often ask a lot of actors, you know, if you have any advice, if you were younger and you, you found somebody younger and, and they asked for advice, but you actually have a daughter here. Did you have advice for her when she was going into acting of what she should and should not do?
1: Well, yeah, I have advice for it, you know, as long as she, you know, the the trick is to get her to follow it. That's the thing. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, like any millennial out there, they're kind of hardheaded when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, you know, they have to figure out and learn for themselves and I kind of prefer to have someone else tell her that way, you know, she actually listens. But, sure. Well, uh, can you
2: share yeah, some, yeah. some of that? Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, most of the stuff that I, you know, I tell her, you know, here's what you, you know, you're going to have to, you should be doing A, B, and C, and you're going to have to do A, B, and C in order to get, you know, uh, the next phase, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be a, a mountain of rejection. That's what comes with right. the territory. Um, and even if you don't or do do like the role, it doesn't matter. It's just you have to fight for literally every single thing because everybody else out there is fighting for it. Right. So, you know, you got to have all your ducks in a row. you got to have everything ready to go. When the, when the door cracks open, you got to be able to step through and show it. And you got to be able to, to deliver. And, to be ready. Uh, you have to be ready for it. You got to be ready. Yeah. Because that, that door may not crack open again, you know, at least not for a long time. So uh, you have to, you have to be on top of things and get it
2: done, you know? Um, Right. Let uh, me ask you a question. Is there there something about likability because you've been in so many different things, such an eclective work, such an eclective resume. There's something about being likable, but people wanted to be on the set with you, that it resonates with you?
1: Um,
2: Well, you know, uh,
1: anybody that you're working with uh, in any capacity on any project, uh, you need to be, uh, you had better make sure that you have not burned any bridges that you, your relationship with them as a working relationship needs to be 100% solid and positive. Otherwise, you could be, that could be the kiss of death.
3: Right.
1: You know, because if, they, if somebody works with you and you're a pain in the butt, you know, to work with, they're going to tell everybody else. Uh, you know, I've been there. You know, I've advised people, you know, that maybe, you know, here's what you're getting into if, you, if you're if you going to work with this actor or this actress. Here's what you're getting into. Yeah, right. they may be very good at what they do. They may be very talented, but you know, so are about half a million other people. You know, who are there. So, <laughs> do you want that? Do you want that headache just because of this one individual? So, right. You know, uh, it is absolutely critical that you leave, you know, a production and work with people in a production, uh, and leave a very positive uh, um, um, feeling with everyone um, having worked with you. Because, man, if you don't, they will you know you're not going to that you just shot yourself in the foot i mean i don't know what the right. point of of doing it for is if you're going to uh, uh if you're going to pollute you know, the, the the waters of those opportunities by, uh, you know, acting out or not showing up on time or not having the lines together or sure. having an attitude and getting pissed off or, you know, complaining about this and that. Nobody wants to be bothered with that crap, man. You know, if you right. you show up and you do the job, you know, and, and, and you do it professionally. You don't want to, you know, uh, you don't want to be a pain in the ass. They'll remember that and they're going to tell everybody else. That's just almost, it's just like rock bottom common sense to do it. Um, and I've been very lucky in that most of the projects I've worked on, if not, geez, almost all of them, um, mm-hmm. I have not run into anything like that at all. I have enjoyed working with uh, almost every director. I think there was only one that had sort of a strange sort of thing about him and it was not that pleasant to watch, but right. ultimately I've enjoyed working with
3: well. There's the always be one
1: majority of people. Yeah, de- yeah. There's always one, right? It was uh,
3: yeah.
1: the actors, almost 110%. I think 110%. I'd, I've not worked with any actors on any professional project, whether they were playing the lead or whether they were playing a minor role, didn't matter. They have always, mm. always been cordial, if not outright friendly. Friendly, uh, if out- and, and, and professional, and they delivered. Right. They did the job. We, we, I enjoyed the the process, and everything was cool. I have never. Uh, you know, and and partly that's because, you know, they are grateful to have <laughs> to have a job. Yeah, they're grateful exactly. to be there. So it, it was such they're a hell not gonna to mess get it up there. either.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not gonna mess
1: it up either. You know, you know, yeah. the the guest stars you come on as a guest star, you're sort of in somebody else's house, you know, and it's you know, it feels you know, you don't have the familiarity that you would have if it was your own show and it's you know you have to make them feel comfortable if you're uh, if you're the lead actor the regular and you, you know you've got a guest star we had it on Voyager we had guest stars every week almost. and so I right. you, know, you did you want them to to you want to welcome them into the fold you want to make them feel comfortable you know you want to be nice to them friendly to them so that they feel comfortable you know because it's not their set it's not right. their show you know they're just there for a minute to do what they got to do and then they leave and they, they're just not, the surroundings are different and, and, and people are different and they don't, they don't have the lay of the land. So, you know, you want to make them feel as much at home as possible. And if you are a guest star on the show, you want to, you don't want to make any waves. You want to come in and slot into this thing. Like it's a well-oiled machine and, and do your bit and go out. <laughs> and typically the director of those shows, sometimes they're the executive director, sometimes our executive producer. Sometimes they are, you know, a, a guest director that they've hired. and, in some cases that guest director may or may not have shot some episodes of the show already, or maybe this is the first one. So they're not, they, they have worked on the show, but it's not their show. So they are, they are, you know, (laughs) working with uh, the uh, executive producers as well, trying to make sure that their work is appreciated and they can come back and do other shows down the line. These are gig, you know, it's a gig career. It's a gig, you know, it's gig type work, you know, and so you right. never want to jeopardize your opportunity to have yet another
2: gig at some point in time in the future. You know, you've that's given us some great, some, some great insight into your world. You know, you it was lovely talking to you. And thank you so much for joining us thank today, uh, Tim you. Russ. You know, is there is there any way we can reach you or or look look at some of your stuff or maybe find some of your music? How can we do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, it's on, uh, a lot of that's on my website, um, okay. which is uh, uh, timrusswebpage.com. Uh, you know, if, you did, if anybody just Googles my name, it's going to be the first three or four things the web page is going to come up. You'll see it. Nice. Uh, timrusswebpage.com. That's my website. It's got my, you know, some of the projects I'm working on, the appearances I will have coming up, uh, when they when they are coming up now. Um, and right. And it's got links to my music. It's got links to my acting. Uh, I've got my demo on there, hacking demo, comedy and drama. You can see there's some of the stuff I've done. Um, I've got stuff on my own YouTube channel under Tim Russ. You can look at some of the things on there. And uh, a lot of our music is on uh, iTunes uh, right now. So you can listen to all the samples of everything I've done. I think it's all on there. And uh, right. so you got between those, the website, YouTube, and um, and uh, the uh, iTunes, uh, Amazon's got some of my music as well, so you can go a number of places to uh, to hear it. Um, and uh, it's it's out there, it, you know. It's not it's 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 a couple of t- taps on the keyboard to get to it. Like. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's not very difficult to find you. There's not a lot a lot of Tim Russes out there. I'll, I'll be honest with you. No.
1: Right? No. <laughs> nope. There are not. I, no. know, I don't have a terribly common name, and, you know, once you see you're on the page, you can actually see my my picture, and you know it's me. So if they're right. familiar with me and, and the work, they're going to know they're on the right spot. And everything is basically available for people to look at or watch. I just completed a new music video uh, for the song that I wrote a while back called We, which is, nice. I think, on is, is definitely on the YouTube channel now. Um, And uh, a bunch of other stuff is on there I've got a short film called Plugged I think it is on there which is fun to watch Um, And you know uh, The band performances are all on there I think, yeah I'm pretty sure they are And so uh, There's a lot of uh, There's a lot of stuff on there That you can take a look at And and, and watch and stuff uh, a feature film I just finished directing that was released last year as well. I think it was released in early December, also called junkie, which really? is uh christian christian kane and uh, uh, Robert deval this is not the Robert deval this is different okay uh, jim i'm not not robert Duvall. jimmy Duvall, my fault oh
2: Jimmy Duvall. jimmy
1: Duvall. Okay. Duvall jimmy deval um christian kane um okay. They are, they are, uh, that film was released in December of night of this last year. And, uh, that is going to be on Amazon. as Well, I think right now, I think it's on Amazon. Um,
3: right.
1: and that's a drama small town, uh, young woman who's a, who's a, a drug addict who gets to kick the habit in order to try to find out what happened to her brother, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a drama. Right. And, and Sounds and heavy. it's uh, th- that that I directed uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, they just released it, so I, you know, uh, all that stuff is out there, um, and I and I'm pretty sure that most of it's listed on my website. Um, right. Last I checked. So,
2: yeah. Right. There you go. Well, Tim, it's, it's been our honor to have you on the show. We've been wanting to have you on it for quite a while here. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you have a blessed weekend, and I, I hope every, I hope your family's doing well right now. But uh, thank you thank so you. much for joining us today. Will do, will do, man. Thank you. Take care. That was Tim Russ. Thank you, Tim Russ. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye, my friend. All right, bye bye. Well, that was Tim Russ. What an amazing human being. What did I tell you at the beginning of the show? What an amazing human being! I mean, he has a litany of work. I mean, if you, if you look at his resume, it's it's, it's impossible to uh, not not be shocked at all the things he's accomplished in his in his life. Uh, from Hill Street Blues to, I mean, Twilight Zone to, I mean, Star Trek Voyager to iCarly. he's one of the very few people in Star Trek that has. Gone throughout all, almost every single realm of TV shows. He's in Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Voyager, X-Generation. He was in Star Trek Generations, the movie. Really incredible personality. Very wise. Father was in the Air Force. Traveled the world when he was very young. Majored in theater. Moved out to L.A. and just... Took all the parts he could, which were all, every single show I saw as a child. Worked with Leonard Nimoy before he ever worked on Star Trek. I mean, if you want to talk about life imitating art, that's incredible. That should tell you that nothing is impossible. The way he talked, the way he shared information, tells you that nothing is impossible. Just work, work, work. Writer, cinematographer, director, actor, musician. There's nothing this man does not do. Thank you, Tim Russ, for for joining us today. We, We are the ones who are blessed to have you on. You're an incredible personality, an incredible person. And a lot of people have learned a lot of things from you being on. Strength. Perseverance. Understanding how to be a good personality while on set. Being welcoming, being kind. You know, the, one of the reasons why Tim Russ was invited back to all these shows was because he was a likable personality and people liked him. People wanted to talk to him. They want to hear from me. So that's the incredible thing about Tim Rock. I've been waiting a long time to have him on the and I'm very thankful. Now, to all you out there living in La La Land, under lockdown. Find your happiness. Pursue your happiness. He's still writing. Tim Rush is still writing. Still wanting to direct. Still wanting to do his music. He's waiting in anticipation to, to get out there and play for his live crowds. Now that's a personality. I didn't feel like there was a shortage of confidence that it was, it was going to happen. That he was going to be okay. That everybody's going to be okay. And that it was going to happen. I think that's a great attitude to have. Not living in fear, but waiting for the clouds to the and for the sun to come out. It's easy to look at the news and be afraid. It's easy. It's difficult to know deep in your heart that things will be okay. And we will survive these things. To my audience, thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you all. I love you so much. You give me a chance to speak my mind and to have great people on my show. I am the one who is truly blessed here. I have a wonderful time every single time. This has been Cinema Files Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Thank you so much for joining us today. Be well. I love you all.